Please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we're going to read from verses, starting at verse 17. Starting Luke chapter 5, verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with them, with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they, were glor- and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. What is your biggest need? You and I all have things that are very important to us. Our families are very important to us and a major part of our lives. Our friends are really important to us, right? Having good friends to encourage us and be there for us and to enjoy their company. Our jobs, our livelihoods, providing for our families, finding satisfaction in what we do. And in different times in our lives, different things can be elevated in importance. One thing that has been, become more and more important to us in our society today is our health. Right? We enjoy being healthy. Our, our health is very important to us. And that can include a desire to eat well, be active, to work out, or, or when we get sick or have a major injury or a health issue that's, really more, that's more serious, our desire to be healthy elevates in importance. We can do everything we can to be healthy again. We, we reach out to other believers and ask for prayer. We can seek help from medical professionals because it's hard when we're sick or unwell, or it, it can be a major burden and affect many areas of our lives. Our health is important to us, and our our health is important to Jesus, too. But, as we just read from our passage, and as we're going to look at, Jesus tells us that there's something even more important than our health. That we have a need that goes deeper than our need for healing from sickness. We have a need that goes deeper than our need for friendship, or deeper than our need for satisfaction in raising our families. Deeper than our need to be active and play in sports. Let's look at verses 17 to 19 again in our passage. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee 
and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So we see that Jesus had started his public ministry. He had been teaching. He had been doing amazing miracles. At this point, he had already been baptized by John the Baptist, already tempted by Satan. He had already done several amazing miracles. He had been teaching on several occasions, and with all that added up, there was a big crowd that was intrigued about this Jesus. Word was getting around about him. He was getting popular. He had healed lepers. He was casting out demons. He had gotten, all that had gotten people excited to see Jesus. But we saw in our verse, it wasn't just the general population that was excited to, to see Jesus. We also saw that the religious teachers, Pharisees, teachers of the law, had come from all over to hear Jesus. They were intrigued, but they also had the, the hair on the back of their neck standing up a little bit, um, wanting to make sure that Jesus' teaching stood in alignment with what they were teaching, wanting to protect the minds of the people. So with all these Pharisees, teachers of the law that had come from all over and the crowd that was gathering, this was getting to be some big crowd. In our passage, we see that Jesus was teaching at a home in Capernaum. And it was there that the crowd had gathered to hear Jesus teach. It was getting packed. Okay, this house was getting packed, probably not a very big house. And it was getting harder and harder to see Jesus, let alone to get close to him. A couple of weekends ago, I was at the RBC Canadian Open, which is the big golf tournament that happens in Canada every year. And this one was in Toronto. I went with my brother. And this year, the crowd favorite that everyone was really excited about was a golfer named Rory McIlroy. Okay, and he's one of the best golfers in the world. He, had, he was the defending champion. So the crowd was excited, pumped to see Rory McIlroy. And my brother and I were also excited to see him. But because everyone wanted to see him, it was very difficult to get anywhere close to him to see him hit. Or especially when it came to the 18th hole. Or, so it was the very last hole. He was one of the last players to play. It was impossible to get anywhere near the green, which is where all the excitement happens Yes, golf can be exciting, okay? But we couldn't even see him, and we couldn't even get anywhere close to see him hit on the last hole. That's kind of like what was happening here with Jesus teaching in this house. It was so packed, so crowded, there was no hope of even trying to see Jesus' face, let alone try to get close enough to him to get his attention. But even with this difficult predicament, we get introduced to some really amazing people who were not going to let all that stop them from seeing Jesus. But it wasn't for themselves, it was for their friend. We see there in verse 18 that some of the friends of a paralyzed man were trying to bring their paralyzed man friend to see Jesus, to be healed by him. These were pretty great friends. right? They had also heard of Jesus heard of his teaching, that his teaching came from God. They had heard of his miraculous or his miracles. 
They had faith that Jesus could heal their friend. So they hauled him all the way over to see Jesus. And then when they saw the crowd and how difficult it was going to be to actually try and get anywhere close to him, they did not let that stop him. They brought him to the back of the house, and houses back then were different than ours. They were often flat, and there was often a staircase near the back that would lead to the roof where they would do many different things on top of the roof. So the friends get their paralyzed man friend, haul him onto the roof, and then start to rip open tiles and lower him down right in front of Jesus, right in the midst of all these people. Can you imagine being in that crowd, right? Here, everyone is so focused on Jesus' teachings. It is deep. There is this, this awesome moment. And then all of a sudden, debris starts falling on everyone. You hear noise and like light starts filling in. Um, it would have been quite a scene. The room probably goes quiet. And then we see this in verse 20. And when he, being Jesus, saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. This story might be familiar to you, so when we read Jesus' words there, they might not stand out too much. But when we stop and think about it, we can be thinking like, wait, wait, hold on a second here, Jesus. This guy that came to you was paralyzed. He was probably born with it, never been able to walk, never been able to run around or have a job. Imagine this paralyzed man seeing all the effort that his friends did to bring him all the way here so that he could be healed, lower him, rip open someone's roof, lower him down, and then all the anticipation, excitement for him to be in this moment here before Jesus, ready to be healed. And then for Jesus to say, man, your sins are forgiven you. I imagine him thinking like, uh, okay, thanks Jesus, that's, that's great, but if you haven't noticed, I can't walk. I'm paralyzed. That's why I'm here. That's the most important thing to me. That's the, the biggest thing in my life right now. That's my biggest need. But Jesus is saying here, look, you being paralyzed, that's really important, and I'll show you that I care about that too in a second. But what I'm getting at is that there is something even more important than your health. Even more important than you being able to walk. For you coming to me and asking for your body to be healed, that's not going deep enough. Your biggest need is to be forgiven from your sins. And that's true for us too. We all have many things that are important to us. Many big things in our lives, many big needs. Some of us might be struggling with, with sickness or physically and long to be healed. Or you might have a big need for an uplifting friendship or struggling trying to find work. And those are, are big and those are significant. And the Lord is with us as we face those and, and faithful to give us strength to move forward in these things. But in our passage this morning, Jesus is helping us to reflect on the fact that our biggest, deepest need is to be saved from our sins. Because you and I have a sin problem. It's pretty interesting because here Jesus addresses the biggest need of this paralyzed man, which was his, 
his sin problem, his need to be forgiven from his sins. But this man was paralyzed. He couldn't run around and go to bad parties with all his friends or get into a ton of trouble. He would lie emotionally on his sickbed, and yet this man was full of sin. You might come from a really great family, know many Bible passages, be well-respected in your community, not swear, but you are full of sin. You and I have a sin problem. We believe that ever since the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, sinned against God, they thought that their ways were better than God's ways, and all of us are born sinners. We see this from the well-known Romans 3.23 passage, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because we have all sinned, we all have a sin nature, we have a sin problem. We have sinned against the God of the universe. We have fallen short of his glory. The image that God created us in has been marred. And because of sin, there's a a distance between us and God. We deserve death. The wages of our sin is death. And no good thing that we do will ever get us closer to him. It's, we need to think of it not as just this general abstract thing, not just because of Adam and Eve, all humanity has sinned, but it's personal to us. Because we're sinners, that means we have rebelled against God. We have left him out of it. We have pursued our own ways. We decide how we are going to live our lives, what we think is best. And when we decide that we know what's best, our biggest thing, our biggest need can be the thing that gives us most pleasure, the thing that gives most glory to ourselves. The paralyzed man could have been thinking things like, if only I can walk, then I'll be truly happy. If only I can walk, then I'll be able to make a living or have a family or live out my hobbies, then I'll be truly happy. But Jesus is saying, if I heal your body and that's all I do, that might make you happy for a little while, but it's not going to last. We can think things like that too. If only I get that job, I'll be truly happy. Or if only I get healed from my sickness, then I'll be truly happy. But Jesus says to the paralyzed man and says to us, you need something even more important. I need to rescue you from your sins from you trying to do things your own way. In the book called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, uh, written by C.S. Lewis and part of the Chronicles of Narnia series, um, one of the main characters in The Voyage of the Dawn Treader's name is Eustace. And throughout the adventures that they go on in this book, there's this one part where Eustace, because of his greed, ends up turning into a dragon. And he's stuck like that. He tried everything. He cannot undo it. Okay, he's stuck as a dragon. Nothing he does works out, can bring him to be a boy again. That's when he meets this lion called Aslan. Aslan tells him to go to this body of water, this pool of water, to undress and jump in. And Eustace realizes that Aslan is talking about taking off the dragon skin. So Eustace starts to try and claw the skin off himself, and he's able to get a layer of the dragon skin off, but nothing has changed. And then he tries again. He tries to claw another layer off of this dragon skin, and again, nothing. And then he tries again, and again, and again, and nothing has changed. 
But then Aslan, the lion, comes and digs his claws deep into Eustace's dragon skin. Digs the claws deep and it hurts. Then rips off the dragon skin, throws Eustace into the pool, and he is a human again. He is made whole again. For the paralyzed man, Jesus wanted to go deeper than his physical health, deeper than what the man thought his biggest need was. Jesus wanted to forgive his sins. The paralyzed man had heard of Jesus, heard of his teachings, heard of his his miracles, heard about his teaching that came from God, knew that he had a different authority about him. He had faith that Jesus could heal him. But Jesus wanted to do more than heal his body. He wanted to save him from his sins. From his sins that were so serious, from his rebellion against God, thinking God's way, his ways were better than God's ways. We all have a, a sin problem. And if you have not been saved by Christ, if you have not come to Jesus in, in faith, your sins separate you from God. You are living for other things, things that you think are bigger, things that you think are more important. You're blazing your own trail in life, and on that trail you might see things like health as the most important, or if only your health is on track, if only you can avoid any major sickness or keep your wedding weight, if only you can recover from that injury, then you'll be truly happy. Or you might see things like financial success, if only I get that job. Or if only I can buy that house or make six figures, I'll be truly happy. If only I can have just meaningful relationships or find a husband or a wife. And while those things can be really important and a meaningful part of our lives that the Lord wants us to honor him with, if we are pursuing those things as the most important thing with a heart outside of Christ, you are not on the path that leads to life. We need to come to the realization of our great sin problem and come to Jesus who offers us forgiveness of sins. To come to Jesus, turn to him in faith. And if you are in Christ this morning, let us not fall into temptation to revert to thinking that the things we face are more important or of more value than our walk with Christ, than our standing with Christ. To revert to thinking that our worth is in our health or um, whether things are going well for us in life. To revert to thinking that, you know, getting well again is the most important thing or that getting good marks at school is the most important thing. Let us not lose sight of the fact that because of forgiveness given to us by Christ that our standing before God is secure And to walk in that grace that God has given. To walk, to move forward in that grace that God has given to us. Remembering the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. How he sacrificed himself for us on the cross. How he offers us forgiveness of sins. And that is important to us at salvation, but also as we continue to walk with him. And not, again, to just think of it as this general humanity of sin, but... Um, Christ came to rescue sinners, but uh, it's personal for us. I am a sinner, and Christ died for me, forgave my sins. That Jesus paid the way so that we can have life. So let's not revert to thinking that 
to putting our hope in this world, to have our worth in the current situations that we're facing. But let us remember that we have been forgiven of our sins, that we have been saved by grace, that we have a Savior that we love and want to pursue with all our hearts. And when we're grounded in Christ and grounded in his word, we can respond to situations in our lives with the right priority. Our health can be important and a big deal. Family situation is important. But we can face these situations well by honoring Christ in them, by responding to situations in a way that honors Christ and gives glory to God the Father. But the story doesn't just stop at Jesus forgiving the paralyzed man from his sins. There are some other characters that come into play that take a really big issue with what Jesus just did. Because when Jesus said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, that was a big claim. That was huge. That was life transforming. The crowd who heard him say that also knew how big of a deal this claim was, this statement was, especially the Pharisees. Look at verse 21 again in our passage. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? The Pharisees were upset. They were livid at Jesus for forgiving the paralyzed man's sins. And they make a statement. And in this statement, they are both right and wrong. They say, who can forgive sins but God is alone? And on one hand, they are absolutely right. Only God can forgive sins. So their theology was correct in that way. But they were also wrong. They were wrong to think that Jesus wasn't God. Jesus' claim to forgive the sins of the paralyzed man enraged them so much Because they knew that only God can forgive sins and they did not think Jesus was God. They thought he was a fake, a blasphemer. Their hearts would not allow for them, for this Jesus who was standing before them, to be God. They were waiting for the Messiah to come, for the Savior to come, but this Messiah, the Savior, could not look like Jesus. In their minds, the Messiah they were waiting for wasn't even going to be deity, wasn't going to be God's son. Like the paralyzed man, their greatest need was the forgiveness of their sins, but unlike the paralyzed man, they were rejecting the very one who offers forgiveness of sins. They also had a sin problem, but their focus on rules, on outward appearance, their selfishness prevented them from seeing it. Look at verses 22 to 24. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Jesus knew their thoughts, he knew their doubts. He knew that forgiving this man's sins enraged them because they rejected him as God. In their minds, for Jesus to say 
your sins are forgiven was blasphemy because only God can forgive sins, meaning that Jesus wasn't actually God, so this claim that Jesus made wasn't true. So in their minds, they're like, okay, sure, Jesus, you can say that. You can say your sins are forgiven, but you aren't actually God, so your claim won't do anything. It won't mean anything. It was an inflammatory claim, a big claim, but one in their minds that wasn't real and easy to just say, to just throw out there because there was no visible way to actually back it up. And then Jesus does something very visible to tell them that he does in fact have the authority given to him to forgive sins. He even uses the title for himself, Son of Man, which we see often in the Gospels. And it goes back to the book of Daniel where the the title Son of Man refers to an exalted messianic figure who comes with sovereign power from God. But Jesus says there in verse 24, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, pick up your bed and go home. Jesus was showing the crowd, the the paralyzed man, the Pharisees and the scribes, that he, the Son of Man, was the Messiah, who he had authority from God to forgive sins. That he came to seek and to save the lost by saving us from death saving us from our sin problem. And to prove that he had the authority given to him, that he has the authority to forgive sins, he showed them by healing the paralyzed man. He said, pick up your mat and go home. And he did. He got up his, he picked up his mat, went home and went glorifying God. All the crowd that witnessed this were amazed Some commentators think that even included the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were filled with awe. They glorified God. The crowd was filled with awe. They glorified God. But even while Jesus had healed the paralyzed man and brought glory to the Father, Jesus was showing us that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to save man from our biggest need, which is our sins, to be forgiven from our sins. Just a few verses later, Jesus again makes his mission clear. We see this in Luke 5.32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came to call sinners like you and me to repentance, and he offers us that forgiveness. If Jesus has saved you and you have and called you to repentance, and you have responded to him in faith, live your life continually in the view of the gospel. Walk in Christ as someone who remembers daily what we have been forgiven from. Walk as someone whose identity is in Christ. And even though the things that we face regularly are a big deal, they're important, even though they can take our time and can be difficult to walk through, remember that the things we face are not everything. Remember your standing with Christ, your identity as being in Christ, as a sinner who has been forgiven. And with that view, we can go through life honoring Christ in our health, responding to everyday situations in faith, responding in a way that pleases 
Jesus. Because we love him, we've been forgiven by him, and we are in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who came to seek and to save the lost, to call sinners to repentance, who because of his death on the cross offers his forgiveness, offers us forgiveness from sin, offers salvation. Help us to respond to Jesus in faith, to come to a realization of our sins. Give us a desire to walk as your children, remembering our worth in Christ, knowing that we have new life in him. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.